Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, Conversations About Impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique best self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Prepo Toplitsky. Prepo is a psychotherapist in private practice specializing in relationship issues. He's worked with thousands of couples and individuals over the last 15 years, helping to improve their relationships while cultivating healthier communication and intimacy skills. Prior to becoming a psychotherapist, Prepo was a project manager in Fortune 200 and 500 companies. Prepo is the host of the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the podcast, Prepo. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. It's been a good conversation. I'm, I'm starting this off with the premise that in order to have impact, in order to have a successful business, you, you need other people. It's not something that we can do on our own. So do you agree or disagree with that? Oh, I absolutely agree with it. You know, being, being a therapist and um, having a background in corporate America, I know that the interpersonal relationships are, are imperative for our growth, imperative for growth inside our work environment. Um, I don't know how I can grow as an individual if I'm not uh, bouncing off of other people to see how I'm doing in the world. So absolutely, I think it's imperative to have the relationships to be able to move forward in our productivity. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, I'm going to circle back to something you just said there in terms of reflecting back. But first, let's, let's talk in sort of in more general terms about what's the most important thing that, that you've learned about work relationships. Let's focus on, on the relationships at work at this point. Yeah, I think that what, you know, as I reflect back on, on my career as, as a corporate executive some, some years ago, um, what was most important was the aspect of really being seen and understood um, and not coming across uh, in an inauthentic way, to take the risks to be authentic in my relationships. And one of the best ways to also do that was to really see and acknowledge the other person through appreciations. And I'm a huge proponent of appreciations in my life. And I know in the workplace that made a huge difference, not only in my interactions and relationships, but in the bottom line of productivity. So uh, to me, acknowledgement, validation through uh, appreciation is something that we all want. It's, there's so many studies that show that people leave jobs, not necessarily for higher pay, but because they weren't appreciated, they weren't acknowledged for their contribution. Right. Yeah. Well, I know appreciation is a huge focus that you have and, and you really have done so much good work in your own podcast. You've talked about uh, appreciation quite a bit. And how does that look in the workplace? Because I think sometimes it, it's easier for people to 
get a sense of what appreciation might be in a, on a, on a, in a personal relationship, but what does it look like at work? What are the ways that we can show appreciation? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's similar in the way of conditioning ourselves to scan the environment for positivity, you know, especially in the workplace because of productivity and efficiency, we're always looking for correction and efficiency. And we're not as focused on what is actually working, um, what positive contributions the person is bringing to the team, to the company itself. And so if we're we're prioritizing uh, positivity and appreciations in the team or the person's contribution, then it's a lot easier to connect through that avenue to be able to talk about maybe challenging issues and challenging subjects, which might be how to better or to change around something that's not working so well. So for me, uh, a lot of times I would be able to, in a meeting, first focus around what each individual contributed to that was very positive Mm. and so that they felt seen, they felt heard, they felt appreciated, and it was a lot easier to give challenging feedback after the fact. Mm. That's, uh, that's almost a revolutionary idea. Yeah. As, as, as somebody who's worked in a corporate setting myself, I mean, to just start with appreciating what everybody's contribution is and how amazing that will, would be in terms of people really understanding their impact and being able to have more of it when it's seen and recognized. Exactly. And, you know, there's an interesting physiological aspect that what happens with appreciation is, um, you know, Hormones that are excreted are very positive hormones of oxytocin, feel-good hormones. Cortisol levels go down. But also what happens is the body starts to cohere in their cell structure. So physiologically, my cells are starting to cohere like grandfather clocks ticking at the same time. If my body is starting to sink, then the people that I'm around, I'm starting to sink more easily. So in a work environment, people will actually work more efficiently because they are actually understanding each other on a cellular level. That's not just in an expression and a thought process level. So they feel more connected, even just through a physiological aspect with each other. So brainstorming ideas, understanding people's concepts are a lot easier, easily under, understood than if that wasn't a connection through let's say, appreciation. Mm, Well, you mentioned too um, the the risk of being authentic. And I think that's something that is such a challenge for a lot of people in the workplace because uh, in my experience, at least, that there's an expectation of, um, at least when I worked in a large company setting, there's an expectation that you kind of bring your persona to work, but the rest of you, you can basically leave at home. And it was interesting to see that, that the occasional person who was brave enough to be fully authentic in that setting actually was navigated things in a way better because they kind of rose above the the moment-to-moment politics and and the unspoken things that, that went on in that setting that I was in, um, they actually navigated that better because they essentially transcended it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 
um, people will spend more less time being in my office as a therapist for, if they do. <laughs> you know, because there's an aspect of when we're not congruent within ourselves, when we're not living within our integrity, especially outward, more anxiety happens in ourselves and mm-hmm. also, of course, depression because we're not expressing our true self. So when there's congruency on who we are and how then we walk in the world, um, our potential of even achieving more and being who we are and then collectively uh, achieving our potential, I think, happens. So I think it's a wonderful thing for people to take the risks, to be aligned in their true selves and get away from shedding some of their persona and take the risks to do that. And as you're saying, most of the time, people really admire that, the person that's going to take the risk to really be themselves, say more what's that on their mind, not to make excuses for who they are. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, to, to go back to something you said right up front about reflecting back that, um, I mean, appreciation and uh, being able to be a mirror for someone. How do you do that in a way that is at, at once authentic, but yet sometimes maybe delivers some difficult information? Well, I think it, it is sincerely connecting and having compassion for what we're all doing and walking this world as human beings. So to really know that the efforts that people are doing, even if it's maybe not up to par, you know, people are really doing the best that, that, they, that they can. So if we're able to look past criticism and look into more of compassion for people, including ourselves, we're going to rendezvous it for aspects of really what we do appreciate. And we can find anything. Um, we can start the, the ladder of appreciation from smaller things to bigger things. So again, I think if we condition ourselves to scan the environment more, of what things that we like, what we do appreciate about the person, actually people start giving more of that. You know, people are a little bit like dogs. When you appreciate a dog, they keep giving you more of what it is that you <laughs> And so I think that it, it is uh, creating a habit, you know, of looking for appreciations, but in the, in the aspects of also having, having compassion, um, so that some of the things that may be irritating, some of the things that we want different, don't get as much volume, don't get as much play, that we start seeing each other more as, as human beings that we can really acknowledge and validate what somebody is going through. Because when we acknowledge and validate a person's experience, then their experience and their emotions get to move. You know, they don't get stuck, they don't get suppressed. And they're able to move forward more because now there's an alignment of purging perhaps a negative experience that they had that was acknowledged or validated. So I think it is staying present in the moment and creating, again, again a habit of scanning the environment first of what it is that we appreciate somebody as a human being. And sometimes I think people think, well, I don't need to do that because... There's things that I don't like about the person. If I talk just positive things, I'm going to let them off the hook and they're going to mm-hmm. think everything is fine. In my experience, that's a misnomer. It's actually the opposite. People mm-hmm. then really give you more of what it is that you appreciate and they don't slack off. Yeah, that's my experience too. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, say you're in an organization where this is not common practice, and I'm, I'm thinking of uh, folks that are maybe in a tech environment or a scientific environment where emotion is not valued in the work per se, and I, I can see people bumping up against this, oh, that's too touchy-feely, we can't do that here. What would you say to somebody who wants to introduce this this appreciation process into into work what's a good way to kind of ease people into that well I think w one aspect is to get comfortable doing it in your personal life you know things like boundaries or, or, or things that we think that we separate from our professional life and our personal life really overlap so if I'm uncomfortable giving people acknowledgement or positive validation I should start in my personal life because I think that they totally overlap. For instance, if I'm late in my personal life, I probably guarantee you that I'm going to be late in my professional life. So if I want to work on being on time in my professional life, I should work on time being on my personal life. So the same right. thing I think carries over is the part of, you know, taking the risk in my personal life. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be an emotional expression. I can very well be rational in my acknowledgement and validation of somebody doing positive things and seeing them in a positive light. I don't necessarily have to dig deep into my emotional world. I can actually even logically think like, well, actually, this person has done some positive tasks. They put positive effort in. So I can actually acknowledge just a positive action or a positive behavior without me feeling uncomfortable in the emotional world. So again, I think practicing in our personal lives will overlap more into our professional lives. And I think when we give appreciations, in order to, give a, to be a good giver of appreciations, we also have to be a good receiver of appreciation. Mm -hmm. So practicing receiving appreciations really put us in the realm to be able to give appreciations more easily. So it's not deflecting, not saying, oh, yeah, 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 you're, you're a good so-and-so. It's actually breathing it in and saying thank you and not making excuses or not making caveats, but actually receiving appreciation. When we do that, we're going to be more apt to be able to give appreciations. Well, and being able to receive it is – an avenue is the avenue for being able to uh, at, when you take that in that you can then apply it to what you're doing, what you're choosing to do and, and all, and therefore your impact in the larger sense. Right. And I think that that relates to people uh, rendezvousing with their intrinsic value system as opposed to their extrinsic value system. So intrinsic means that it's more motivated by our internal value system. So if I'm appreciated for more of who I am, then I'm going to probably strive less to achieve some external things like finances and, and accolades uh, because people get empty after a while for that. It really doesn't serve in the long run. As you know, sure, it's wonderful to get bonuses and make make a lot of money and get recognition but that becomes a little bit of emptiness after a while so people are more sustained and a long-term maintenance around intrinsically motivated so when we recognize 
people for that value system, it actually is more sustainable in a company culture. Mm. Well, that speaks to that, the question of authenticity as well, that you're authentic in the sense of you're aligned with your own personal values and the way that you behave in the workplace. And in that way, work relationships and personal relationships really aren't any different on that level. That's right, because we're comfortable with who we are. If we are aligned with our personal value system and therefore we are behaving accordingly to that in the external world, then we are aligned and we are um, more integrated in that way. So um, being authentic then comes much more easy and less stress again on the body, easily, easy more, I'm sorry, easy communication, um, thought processes, brainstorming. It just creates such a loop of uh, familiarity and a loop of ease that creates better connections and better productivity and efficiency. Mm. Well, you've been a leader in a, in a corporate setting and, and uh, it makes me think of the role of leadership around um, how we choose to conduct ourselves in relationships. I mean, mm. one of the things I talk to my clients about a lot is how are you choosing to show up mm. every day? Because it's the accumulation of the ways we show up every single day that, creates other people's experience of us and our experience of, of the world. Can you speak to that and, and from your own experience as well? Yeah, I think that that's a, a great focus because as I show up in the world as a leader, it's going to be more of a modeling aspect because people respect, and I know I respect people that are modeling what it is that they want from other people if they're doing it. And I know that it's a challenge to show up in a, positive and integral way and an integrity, then um, the people see the modeling and they're going to be more apt to follow in that belief system as opposed to somebody who is just telling people what to do, but their actions are incongruent to it. So for me as a leader, um, it's modeling. It's also modeling some aspect of vulnerability, calling myself out when I know that I erred or made mistakes, um, showing my own sense of self-compassion, uh, but taking accountability and responsibility and not putting it on others. So I think good leadership um, does take accountability and responsibility uh, in also a self-compassionate way, which means that I know that I made a mistake. I understand the consequences, but I also know that I can change and springboard off of my behavior to change it. And so I think leadership also is very positive in, in, in that aspect. And also being a good human being, it's, it's interesting, Ursula, I remember, you know, I have flashbacks of being in the corporate world from people that were my mentors. And one of my bosses, a leader of the company, one thing that stays stuck in my head was we went to a basketball game one night and we had clients and we were entertaining. And it, was, it ended up snowing a snowstorm, and I drove with him. He ended up taking me back to get my car, and he got out without me asking with his uh, snow brush and started uh, brushing off the snow off of my car. Hmm. And I just it, that just stayed in my mind of he was just being a good human being in the, in that moment of helping me out and and not 
feeling the hierarchy of this. He was my boss and he just dropped me off because I did my job. Right. Small little human things like that stay in my mind of respecting people as leaders because they show themselves as being good human beings. Mm, yeah, I think that's so important. I, I love the quote that you have at the bottom of your, one of your emails. Mm -hmm. it, it says, example is not the main thing in influencing others. It is the only thing. It's uh, a quote by Albert Schweitzer. Yes, yes. I, I think that that is in, in many areas, um, leadership, parenting, friendship, partnership. It, it is that, you know, uh, uh, I know that for me, it's very challenging when I see incongruency of somebody's behavior, but yet they expect something else. So when they are modeling and even again in vulnerability, then it's an incentive and it's inspiring to want to be around that person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you talked, uh, you mentioned several times accountability, responsibility, and, and as you and I talked about in the past that some people just have enormous difficulty in respect and in accepting responsibility for their own actions and that work that is so problematic because we've we've all had some very dysfunctional um, interactions at work and people bring their own stuff mm. to to work um, how do you navigate that kind of situation especially with a boss where you're or, or someone appear that you have to work effectively with despite the, the difficulty. What are some ways you can navigate that? Yeah, that, that, that is a challenge. When somebody is not taking accountability and responsibility, usually some aspect of that is because they're feeling some level of shame. Um, you know, they're, they're being criticized or critical of themselves to the degree that it's too painful to actually take accountability and responsibility. So people that don't do that, um, that you might be around, it can be very frustrating. But one aspect, again, is um, we know that at times that we do that and it's difficult to, to fess up and take accountability. But I mm -hmm. think there's um, a challenge in the, in the corporate world for, let's say, the word confrontation, which comes from an aspect of also conflict. Most of us don't do conflict well. And mm -hmm. the why we don't do conflict well is because of our experience of it. Um, there's not much repair. So I do think that being able to bring up things that are difficult, to be able to bring up a complaint, which is very different than a criticism. A complaint goes after a behavior where criticism goes after the personhood of who the person is. If we learn that in the workplace to be able to do that in a healthy way, then we move through conflict and we end up having more repair and harmony, greater connection, and then more depth to be able to have better communication. So I think working through the avoidance of conflict and confrontation when people aren't taking accountability and responsibility, which is, again, speaking to their behavior and not speaking to their their global personhood. It's very different to tell a person, hey, I just want to tell you, you've been repetitively late uh, 10 minutes every day and that doesn't sit well with me. I would like you to focus on being on time to this meeting as opposed to tell somebody you're irresponsible. Mm -hmm. that, that's a global criticism. It's not a complaint. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Well, and you touched on that issue of repair as well, because I think we tend to look at confrontation, uh, I mean, from the standpoint of, of people who, I guess, welcome it is probably too strong, but who are more comfortable with it, have a different perspective than people who avoid it like the plague. And I think it, it's difficult for people to start to think about repair after a, a conflict, yeah, especially in the workplace, because you're supposed to be getting on with it, I think. And, and it really does have a place in the, in the workplace as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if it doesn't, it gets into deep-seated resentment. Uh, resentment creates disconnection, globalization of the negativity towards a person. So I do think that people need to take the time to learn how to repair because then it's going to be much more efficient and sustainable in the long run. A lot of times when resentment gets instilled, um, there's less um, productivity, there's less efficiency, there's avoidance. It's harder to be on the same page because we're holding some um, grudges and negativity towards person. So even though the process of confronting or repair may seem daunting, in the long run, it's much more efficient. So again, if people are having a challenging issue to do that in the workplace, experiment in your personal life because the more apt that you're going to be doing it in your personal life, it will be easier to go ahead and overlap it into your professional life. Mm, yeah. Well, and just from a human standpoint, I mean, who wants to go to work day after day when there's this heaviness and unresolved issues and it's, it just makes being there and being present to what you're doing work you may love, but uh, that, that ability to repair can really make a difference in shifting your experience of the, of the workplace. I think if people, can can find a way to do it and be courageous about it because it does take some courage. Absolutely. It takes a lot of courage. And, and you know, in some way you're saying that, uh, you know, we spend way more time at work than we do with our family and our personal lives. So we're, we're greatly invested in, in work relations, even though we think that we may not be as much. We're spending... Yeah eight, 10 hours a day with these people more than we are actually with our families. So it is being courageous and taking the risks to have harmony in our lives because when we come down to it, um, we want that more and more in our lives. And if our work energy and our work hours are predominantly where we're spending time, then we need to be able to look at it and be um, courageous and take the risks to go ahead and, and, uh, dive into aspects of conflict uh, resolution. And I like to look at it as also conflict transformation. You know, many times people look for a resolution. I was a mediator some years and people were actually always focused on the resolution. And what happened was we would resolve an issue, but then we would go on to another issue to resolve. And <laughs> always resolution, resolution, and not focus on the transformation. And some of the transformation might have been that they just wanted an apology or the way that the person talked to them was respectful instead of settling for the dollar amount and so forth. So but the transformation process of conflict, I think, is a better focus to have than, than resolution. Yeah, I love that. And I think we've probably all experienced it where you kind of somehow move through something and the original issue 
just dissipates because you receive an apology or the person suddenly sees your viewpoint and your perspective on it and you feel heard and seen and it just completely changes the the feeling around the around the conflict exactly right yeah. yeah well i know something you've talked about quite a bit in your podcast you've, you've dedicated some episodes to um uh relationships that men have and it, it made me think of the me too movement and how do you think that that male female relationships need to change in the workplace because certainly i have and i would imagine most women have experienced some form of sexual harassment in the workplace. So, um, and it's not just women. I mean, how, how can men experience the workplace in a way that's more fulfilling and, and um, that they're interacting with people as, as human beings? Um, yeah. How do you see that? Yeah, that's a great, um, that's a great topic for cultural and society shift, you know, because I think that there is an aspect of, toxic masculinity that's of course not uh, broad strokes for, for every man but in some way that there's an evolution to be able to um, change the way that we speak change the way that our behavior is in a very respectful way um, get out of the old boys locker room mentality just for connection and laughs I think it's really sinking down more in the intrinsic value system again of how do we want to be as 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 men and the aspect of of modeling and um you know just even small things like i saw i saw a post recently on social media where it said um hey fathers um when you are seeing your daughter with another guy um and that guy is so much like you are you smiling if not <laughs> if not change Wow. So, you know, to me, that's, that's an aspect of men doing really their, their own work around uh, what we grew up with, with the aspect, again, in, inadequacy and shame and vulnerability being a very negative thing. So men usually jump over the feeling of vulnerability and shame, and they go with anger, they go with blame, they go with bravado. Um, there's a lot of aspects of men with um, a global aspect of not necessarily um, narcissism, but entitlement. So I think it's really changing that aspect of being able to men doing their, their own work and knowing that vulnerability, it takes a tremendous amount of strength and courage to be more vulnerable and, mm -hmm. than it is to jump over it with bravado. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, makes me think of, of managing change in general. I mean, that's a, that's a huge cultural shift. And um, one of the challenges that people have in the workplace is that things do shift and change. The, the priorities shift, the strategic direction shifts, and uh, companies are acquired. And that, can, that creates a huge amount of change. And how can we better navigate change through our, our connections at work, through the relationships we have. Yeah. I think, again, I'd, I'd just like to go back to the aspect of, you know, the integralness of our personal and professional lives. So the more that we change is the only constant in life, right? We heard that expression. 
So the more that we get comfortable with change, especially in our personal life, then we're going to get more comfortable with change um, in general. And I, one aspect of the fear of change is the fear of the unknown. So getting more comfortable with our ability to respond uh, as opposed to actually knowing what it is that we are going to have to respond to. Mm -hmm. So I think that when it comes to a, an upheaval of a, of a company's getting bought out, acquisitions, um, we're animals. We go to catastrophic things. We, we want to scan the environment for protection. So we think of uh, the worst case scenarios and negative things in order to protect us as opposed to learn how to be able to calm our nervous system to be able to, again, bring down those stress hormones and cortisol levels to be more rational in our thinking process and to be able to rendezvous with our ability to respond. So the more that we give ourselves credit for areas in our life, let's say efficacies that we had in the past of our ability to respond to a situation, it's going to give us more confidence for our ability to respond in future situations mm. um, as opposed to going straight to some of the, the fears. Also, I believe that there's a difference, you know, in the workplace, people like to commiserate and they like to talk about <laughs> and gossip and talk about yeah. a lot of challenging things. So one is what kind of energy are we allowing ourselves to go into the commiseration and not engage in that so much, of course. So it's, you know, are we more of the people that think of the positive aspects of the future that can be uh, created in the way that we want it to be? So I think that it is changing also how we relate to people's fears and not get caught up in other people's fears and be able to be our own compass navigation tool. Yeah, I love that, that returning to our inner selves, our own um, feeling of what's, what's right in this situation for your own conduct, conduct and right. not focus so much on what other people are doing, but being clear about what, what you're choosing to do. And I think, you know, when there is that realm, if we get back to appreciation, if a team that you're working with is more focused on appreciating their contributions and appreciating each other as individuals and human beings, then when there is a change, they're going to be more apt to go to the positive aspects of their potential, uh, their creativity, um, what they can be as a group, and they'll have more uh, inclining to have a positive outlook for the future than if they're being critical and negative and so forth. That will go into the future an unknown scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing I'd, I'd love to touch on a little bit is, is your own experience in your work. And uh, can you tell us what, what's the, what do you feel is the impact of the work you're doing? I mean, you're so great at helping people navigate relationships and uh, workplace is no exception, but what, what's the impact of that for you that you've seen? Well, I have think, seen that when, I, when I'm helping people, one, to live an authentic life, that means really knowing themselves and to be able to live more in their alignment, they're going to take that into, of course, all aspects of their life and the trickle-down effect that they have on, on, on others. So um, being able to work with people to let go of what no longer serves them, um, 
I don't want to call it them, their small selves, but more of the, the fearful aspects that they're holding on to and to be able to transform that, have more self-compassion for themselves, to be able to have their own self-efficacy. When I'm doing that in a therapeutic set setting as a therapist, as a psychotherapist, I think that people are able to take that change and put it into all aspects of their life, especially in, into their work. So they're bringing a new sense of themselves. They're taking more risks at work they're, uh, to be who they are. They're speaking up more. They're telling their, the truth, their inner truth more. They're less reluctant to um, have doubt about themselves. Um, they're less apt to worry about how somebody is going to receive their communication and focus on more how they are communicating. So I see that the work that I'm doing really helps and influence people, especially in the time that they're spending most in, in, in their work. And, and again, it's a lot of the work around um, psychotherapy is, is finding the integral self of authenticity. Um, I call, you know, in some ways, like, are we doing the right thing for ourselves as, as, as a human being? And then therefore taking it into the workplace. And what is the right thing to do from an integral standpoint? Um, and it might be, for instance, if I'm working with couples and there's emotional or sexual infidelity, um, you know, 70% of that happens in the workplace. And so living more in integral and watching the slippery slopes helps people have a more eagle eye of what's going on in the workplace and their relationships. Are they being more integral um, in their relationships at work so that they're taking care of their um, personal relationships? So I think it all really overlaps in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, that, that issue of integrity or being uh, in alignment with your values kind of takes me back to that. Um, even in situations that may seem tempting or, uh, or we get triggered and it's easy to react, um, having that kind of focus is, is helpful in staying on track. Exactly. Right. So if I'm helping people work on their responses as opposed to their reactions, notice that feelings just come. We don't have control over that, but we have control over our emotions, which is how we express our feelings. If I'm helping people pausing so that they're more in influence and control and the, and the gatekeeper of how they express their feelings, they're going to be more apt to do that in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to respond, react in an adverse way as much. They'll be able to take that breath to be able to calm themselves in a situation, to think more rationally, to have more understanding and empathy for the other person in the situation. So that's, that's a vital aspect of training ourselves to respond more from our whole self than just from our limbic system, our flight-fight response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, Prepo, the way I always wrap up these interviews is with a rapid round of three questions. Are you, are you ready? Absolutely. Shoot. <laughs> okay. So the first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? Again, I think the biggest thing that I've learned about having impact was and is the aspect of modeling. So staying on my side of the net, um, not so much telling people what to do, but making sure that I'm walking that path myself 
um, and that that's a way that I know that I'm making a large impact is walking my talk and um, not so much of the focus so that other people will see that but more that it really feels good to for me to walk my talk and I feel an integration of myself and therefore the the offshoot of that is the modeling and being a, being inspiration by just me um, walking my talk. Yeah, that's so important. Well, the second question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's con contributed to your success and impact the most? That's a great question. Um, trying to understand um, other people's worlds. Um, I think that I know their world. I only know it from my world. So being curious and interested in what's going on for other people, not conclude so fast, um, being more open that situations aren't black and white, uh, they're complicated. Um, being a human being is complicated. So to be able to accept things for what is instead of what I want it to be. Yeah, yeah that's such an important one that, that um, yeah, trying to react out of how you wish it to be is, uh, yeah, it's trouble right there. Yeah, I, you know, that, I heard a definition one time uh, by an author, John Lee, and he said an expecta expectation is a yet-to-be-realized resentment. Ooh. Yeah, so, so yeah. It's, it's watching our expectations, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, the last question is, what's one piece of advice or an insight that you'd share with, uh, with someone who's asking themselves, how can I positively contribute more? How can I have more impact? I would say uh, to that person, be yourself. Um, be really comfortable with who you are. Uh, the impact and the energy of being your unique self um, is going to give people permission to do that themselves. I, I just like to take that we're, we're all this big puzzle and each of us are the pieces of the puzzle and, and I'm not supposed to shave off your edge and be you. <laughs> you know, we're all unique in that way and so if we embrace more of our uniqueness and our individuality and our authenticity, um, I think that we will respect each other on a whole different level. Mm, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. What a great way to end. And uh, Prepo, thank you so much for everything that you've shared and your expertise about relationships and how that really helps us have a more satisfying and authentic um, experience at work, bringing our whole selves into it and being in integrity with what we value. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having this platform and, and making an impact and talking about impact in, in the workplace. And um, it's invaluable. Thank you. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, they can uh, contact me at my website, which is Heart Share Counseling. That's one word, heartsharecounseling.com. I also have a podcast myself called Relationships. Let's talk about it, where I dive into all kinds of relationship issues with people, whether it's partnerships, friendships, work relationships, neighbors, roommates. Um, I have monologues and discourse and conversations with people. So 
they can hear more of me and my thought process through through that avenue. Yeah, it's a great podcast. So thank you again for the work you're doing in the world and the impact you're having, Prepo. Thank you so much, Ursuline. Thank you for your impact and making, again, this platform available for people. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.